1: That and this. Oh, well, forgot to uh, hit the uh, the song there, Darren. So we're live. We're just going straight into it today. What? All right.
2: I feel like Anchorman now. We're just swinging it.
1: We don't Let's need music. Go. We just
2: go live. You know that just shows our blue collar mentality. You know, hit the
1: button and go. Right.
2: Just hit the button and go. Well, hi everybody. Hey, Hork is ready to roll, and we are kind of doing this in the midst of all the roster chaos and a lot of good chaos that's happened the last few days, and of course, the Irish getting set as we broadcast this. Two weeks from today, back the game's probably in the first half, as a matter of fact. Two weeks from today, Notre Dame taking on Oregon State. I'm Darren Pritchett, and I'm in my WSBT studios in downtown South Bend, Tyler Horka, very Christmassy, I can see in the background. There's a little mixture of football and Christmas in the background. Of course, you know Tyler is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Good to see you.
1: Yeah, I had to put that little Christmas tree up. I think it's only like three or four feet, but if I didn't have anything, my mom would kill me. So, mom, if you're watching this, I'm festive. Be home probably two days before Christmas. But in, in the meantime... I've got that going on for me here. So Next year, year
2: just grab some lights and put it on that tree in the corner, too.
1: Yeah, no, I've been thinking about that. That might become a a year-round type of thing. It's kind of, you know, a a little vibe setter over there. It looks a little lonely without the lights, but we're working on it. It never hurts to add a little extra,
2: kind of like Marcus Freeman's doing, to this Notre Dame football roster the last couple of days. And as we broadcast this on this Tuesday, Mitch Jeter, South Carolina field goal kicker, is going to join the team and he's hardly missed the last two years. 23 of 25, and the misses are outside of 50. So yeah. Tyler, that's a big plus. And you got RJ Oban coming in from Duke, and this Riley Leonard guy is coming from Duke. So after all the departures, now we're starting to fill back in.
1: Yeah, I like the Jeter thing for sure, because for the third year in a row, Notre Dame needed a graduate transfer kicker, and they got one. And this one. I mean, he doesn't have the booming leg of Spencer Schrader. I don't think he's going to go out and set a record. But if it means he makes 90-plus percent of his kicks as opposed to Spencer Schrader, who I think was right on 70%, you take that for sure. You mentioned it. He's hardly missed. Inside of 50 last year, he was 11 of 11. So that kind of shows you you don't have to make as many decisions once you get near that 30-yard line. You could say, hey, we could call some plays, try to take some shots at the end zone. I know Notre Dame fans would love to see that. And if you don't get it, settle for a 45, 46, 47, RB-able and pretty much have complete confidence that your kicker is going to make it. That is, uh, is definitely a plus, but you mentioned Riley Leonard. I, I know there's a lot of Notre Dame fans watching this who would just like to score touchdowns instead. Uh, 2022, he accounted for a lot of them. I believe it was, 33 touchdowns in 2022, 20 passing, 13 rushing. So he's a true dual threat, Darren. Yeah. I mean, he can do both. He can hit you with the with his throws, use his arm, but then he can also use his legs as well. We're going to get into Leonard a little bit later in the show, but obviously that's kind of the news of the week. And, I mean, it's it's so quick how this stuff happens, Darren. Like yesterday, I think – Three pretty big things happened. I, I can't remember. I know Joe Alts opting out was one of them. RJ Oben coming in, and then I feel like there was something else. Oh, last night at eight thirty, Cam Hart decided to opt out of the bowl game. Is there another one? You were about to say something. To look like. I don't. Know. Do you count Drew Pine coming back to Notre Dame? One, of the big ones? <laughs> one as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I tweeted it out. He loves Notre Dame. I, I'm not shocked that he's back. I know our our Mike Singer had that. Um, if Pete Dammel wasn't going to break it, I think Mike Singer was not going to break it. But good for him. I, I don't know about playing football after you spend an act. like we'll see about all of that. But just the fact that he's coming here to get his degree, I know that was the big cry November of last year when he left. How is Drew Pine, this big Notre Dame guy, going to leave without getting his Notre Dame degree? Well, it's working out for him. He's coming back. He's going to get that degree. And then I think he's still got two years to play football if he, if he wants to. We'll see. Yeah, he can go right back in the portal and and, and off
2: yeah. he goes. So, well, I said this to you during the season, but you know, you look back at last year and how things played out at nine and four. Twenty years from now, we may realize nine and four is probably better than what nine and four looks because you didn't have a starting power five quarterback on your roster, and yeah. I think that's starting to play out more and more as we get these guys further away from their time at Notre Dame
1: and it's crazy because it could have been should have been uh 10 and 2 and then of course who you're playing in the bowl game changes if you're 10 and 2 they might have been 10 and 2 sneak into a New Year's 6 and just get smoked by somebody but you had Drew Pine you had Tyler Buckner and you should have beat Marshall you should have beat Stanford with those guys so i think that was the biggest knock for me on Marcus Freeman's first year was okay yeah Your quarterback situation is not great, but Drew Pine should beat that Stanford team. Tyler Buckner should beat Marshall, and it didn't happen. So, But still, yeah, you take take nine and four with those two guys, considering neither of them uh, are going to be on a football roster for spring football.
2: I tell you what, who might have benefited the most from last year having to tweak things on the fly and trying to get something out of a quarterback that was not perfect was Tommy Reese. He got the best he could out of Drew Pine, and I think it helped him this year because Milrow is not the same player he was the first couple of weeks when he got benched. I mean, I don't think he had figured it out yet, but Tommy figured it out as the year went on, and that Alabama offense looks a whole lot different. I give Tommy a lot of credit. He evolved as an offensive coordinator just during this past season as he figured out how to use Milrow properly, and now they got a shot at least at a national championship. So.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'll say one thing on that. Somehow Alabama went from a team that was only going to win in spite of Jalen Milrow, but now they're winning games because of him. And I mean, this guy ended up finishing, I don't remember, uh, at least top 10 in the Heisman, Heisman Trophy voting. And this was a guy, obviously I had some vested rooting interest way back on, um, what was that? September 9th, maybe early September, he could not complete anything except for a couple long balls. He had a really good long ball against Texas, but I, I was texting my buddies who are obviously also had a vested rooting interest in that game. And I said, guys, this is awesome. Texas is going to beat Alabama, but this quarterback stinks. Like he he can't, he, he's not, he's he shouldn't be the quarterback at Alabama. And now I'm, I mean he, he announces today, it's December 14th, as we're doing this. That he's coming back, and I, I guarantee you Bama fans are like, let's go, because yeah. if Tommy Reese is still going to be there, and you're still going to have – it's Alabama. You're going to have all these wide receivers around him. You're going to have really good running backs. I think Jalen Milro is a top five Heisman favorite going into the 2024 season.
2: All right. Well, Irish fans, get ready, because we've got another dual threat. Tyler Horka can talk football. He can also sell art.
1: Yeah, I've been trying to sell this art for uh, Barb Stevenson, obviously, for the last couple of weeks, and I don't know if this ad read still stands, because, Darren, it's like 11 days until Christmas, and it seems like every single year, uh, shipping gets crazier with Christmas. Like, if you're trying to order stuff for Christmas on December 14th, good luck, but I would still suggest that you try to order some Barb Stevenson artwork, maybe slip into the stocking, like, hey, I got you this gift, it's coming. Maybe it won't be here by Christmas, but... You're going to like it when it gets here because if you are looking for a perfect gift for the Notre Dame fan in your life or even for yourself, Barb Stephenson art is your premier destination for stunning pen and ink limited edition prints of the University of Notre Dame. If you're watching on our YouTube today live on a Thursday afternoon, we appreciate it. You are seeing some of that artwork on the screen there. South Bend's own award-winning artist, Barb Stephenson, skillfully captures the essence and beauty of Notre Dame's campus through her intricate pen and ink prints, which she meticulously enhances with hand-printed metallic gold accents, making each print unique and one-of-a-kind. Explore her fabulous selection of prints and discover the perfect piece that resonates with your love for the Notre Dame. Like I said, if you're watching YouTube, you're seeing some of those prints, uh, some of the names for some of these, and you you can see which ones they are. The Notre Dame Collage Iconic Trio, that's the one with the uh, most loved buildings on campus, which would be the Basilica, the Golden Dome, and Touchdown Jesus. You've got the one with the grotto. That's called Notre Dame Grotto Spiritual Moments. You've got the Notre Dame Golden Dome and then the shining view of the Golden Dome. So you can't go wrong. Like you said, Darren, if you have a Notre Dame fan in your life, I don't have to sell you on this artwork. It sells itself. Uh, It's beautiful. And uh, I really love that sponsor because everyone watching this is a huge Notre Dame fan and um, really good gifts right there. And
2: if you're a Notre Dame fan, you've never been here. I think there's a a pretty good set of pictures to show you need to get here and see it for yourself because oh, yeah. it is spectacular. Now to some football conversation. We've got B. Smitty 8 that wants to know, hey, Horka, what's the future of the Notre Dame quarterback room after adding Riley Leonard?
1: And a juicier way to ask this, and I actually got asked both questions for Hey Horka this week. But I just we, we just couldn't sell the video on this because it seems like clickbait if we were to ask, who is more likely to transfer, Steve Angelli or Kenny Minchie, I got asked that question too, and we can have that conversation while we're talking about this topic. So there's a lot that goes into this, Darren. Obviously, if you're looking at 2024, Best case scenario for Notre Dame, Riley Leonard starts every single game, just like Sam Hartman started every single game, just like Jack Cohn started every single game two years ago for Notre Dame. You get a guy like that who has been a proven starter at a Power 5 program to start for your football team for every single game. So if you look at it that way, now we got to start going with the subsets, peeling off the onion layers, if you will. What does this mean for Steve Angeli? Right now, he might be sitting there saying again, because if even if you think of the Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine thing, they had it happen twice to them with Cone and Hartman, but it was two different, I mean, it was like 2021 and then it was 2023. This is happening to Angeli in back-to-back years, but then you look at the Hartman, er, the Hartman thing with Pine and Buckner, and it's both of those guys had starting experience and like meaningful starting experience where... Pine started 10 games. As soon as you bring in somebody else, he's like, screw this. I'm going to go try to start at Arizona State. It didn't work. Obviously, he's coming back. We talked about that at the beginning. But at this time last year, he did something nobody can blame him for. Buckner, Hartman comes in. He competes with them. It becomes clear. I'm not beating out Hartman for this job. Then he leaves. And if you can earn a scholarship at Alabama to play quarterback, and he started a game, mind you. Like, he started against USF. It looked like if he would have done well in that game, I mean, he's, he's sitting there as Alabama's starting quarterback. You can't go wrong there. So, Steve Angelli's situation is a little bit different to me, Darren, because this guy hasn't started a football game yet. We're two weeks away, as you mentioned at the beginning, from him starting for the first time. And if he looks good in that game, great. But to me, it's not going to feel like anything more than what Tyler Buckner did in the Gator Bowl. And Tyler Buckner did not bolt immediately after the Gator Bowl. He stuck it out through spring ball. He said, I'm going to try this. So that's what it feels like to me with Steve Angeli. I think he's going to go play in the Sun Bowl. He's going to play really well. I think he's going to play well despite everything that's around him. You're going to see enough enough things out of Steve Angeli to say, this guy's pretty good. I, I'd like this guy to stay on the roster. And I think that's what he does. But then, Darren, if he gets into spring ball and Riley Leonard is Riley Leonard and he's still just Steve Angeli, a guy who's only started one game in his career and a really wacky, funky one at that. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Steve Angeli who does the Tyler Buckner and leaves after spring ball and says, you know what, where's my upward mobility here? It's Riley Leonard in 2024. And then who is it in 2025? Is it CJ Carr? Is it Kenny Menchie? Is it Deuce Knight, who are all Marcus Freeman recruits? like guys that Marcus Freeman had picked to say, Hey, you might be our starting quarterback one day. Cause Steve Angeli is not that he was recruited by Tommy Reese. He was recruited by Brian Kelly, even to a degree as well. So I think there's a chance that one of these guys is gone for the 2024 season, but it might not happen immediately. It hasn't happened yet. And Riley Leonard announced three days ago. So I just think you have you kind of have got to wait this thing out, Darren. I don't know where you're at with all of this.
2: I think I'm most interested in seeing Angeli for the first time with the defense 100% planning against him. Every time he comes into a game, the opposition has not spent 80 hours in saying, you know what, he can't do this, he can't do that, he does this well, let's take that away. They're worried about Sam Hartman. So, for the first time, A, he's not in a mop-up role, and B, the defense is planning to stop him. Now, Oregon State's had some massive departures on the defensive side of the football. They're leading tackler. their two best corners. So, maybe it won't be a major factor, but I guess I just don't get all caught up in mop-up role. If he does poorly, then, obviously, you're like, wow, that's kind of disappointing. You do well. I don't want to not give him credit, but – Tyler, when the defense is planning against you, it's a whole different ballgame. So I'm really interested to see what Oregon State does and how Steve Angeli reacts. He does not have a full arsenal. I'm not going to hold it against him if the offense has a bad day because his two tackles are gone. His wide receiving core looks a whole lot different. We assume number seven's not going to be back, so... I'm just going to kind of enjoy this game more than I ever have of any bowl game. I'm not going to prejudge anything or post-judge anything. I'm just going to watch it, enjoy it. But I think we do get to see Steve Angeli in a different light with the opposition planning against him. And if Angeli stays, then maybe that's when Kenny Minchie thinks about things because he's got a couple of very impressive quarterbacks coming in after him. You got Angeli still ahead of you. So that's when maybe he has to stop and evaluate, do I want to be a part of this Notre Dame program? And if he does, fantastic. If he thinks he can be a starter somewhere else, you know what? Good for kids to get a chance to start somewhere else. I mean, maybe Steve Angella becomes the starting quarterback at Connecticut or a Mac schooler, maybe even better than that. But there's a point where if you're on the roster and you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, With the way college football is set up now, Tyler, you got to take advantage of that opportunity. And it's just whether Steve wants to ride it out, loves being a part of this program. If he does, great. And if he wants that opportunity, time's ticking. I can't blame him in the least bit.
1: Yeah, my answer to the other question that I mentioned was kind of related to this. Who's more likely to transfer? When I answered that on the blueandgold.com message board, I actually said Kenny Minchie because I do think Steve Angeli stays. And, I mean, he's in the middle of an academic career, basically. Like, at this point, look at Drew Pine. He wants to come back and get that degree. Steve Angeli's already here. He doesn't have to go somewhere, then come back. I think he stays. And I also think that he thinks that he could start in 2025. Look, Riley Leonard was banged up. He started seven games in 2023. Steve Angeli's one snap away. It's so cliche to say that, but... Sam Hartman was not running. Sam Hartman was not putting himself in harm's way. He was had. He had a really good offensive line to play behind. He only threw the ball three hundred one times as opposed to over four hundred the last two years at Wake Forest. Like Sam Hartman had a pretty clean season. He didn't even play in the second half of some of these games because they were up so big against some of the lesser opponents. This is a different ball game with Riley Leonard, Darren, because Riley Leonard is one. I don't know, Howard Cross for some other team away from doing what happened at Wallace Wade that night. Or, I mean, something more common that happens is he rolls out, he, he's in the open field, and he gets rolled up on or non-contact, something like that. I and mean, You never wish that on a kid, but that's football. And Steve Angeli is one of those away from playing the rest of the season. So I think he stays. I think Kenny Mincy's situation is a little – more complicated because if Steve Angeli does stay, like you said, there's somebody ahead of him, and then there's two guys below him who are more highly rated than he was. He's caught in the middle. the The, the issue with Kenny Minshew is he enters the portal with no, no tape. Nobody knows anything about who he is as a college football quarterback. So, but man, isn't it crazy in this day and age that? I mean, I always I, I wondered about this since I was like a five year old college football fan, because. You always have all of these highly rate, rated dudes, all of these guys that people want to see on the field. But football's so unique in that only one guy can play that position. And right now it's going to be Riley Leonard and how Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie feel about that. We will find out in the next, I'll, I'll give it five months, because like I said, I am not ruling out a post-spring Tyler Buckner-like transfer for one of these guys.
2: Two things. One thing that could send Angeli to the portal would be Minchie jumping him.
1: That's yes. probably Lloyd, Lloyd Christmas. He's in the uh, festive. He just said the same thing that there you go. did.
2: The second part is I'm right. wondering, when you pick Minchie in your chat, was there a small fraction of the reason why you said that is the fact that he might have a higher ceiling than Angeli, which might lead him to want to jump quicker?
1: Yeah. I mean, he believes in himself. For sure. If he – if he, I think this Marcus Freeman-led staff has a little bit of an inkling to kind of hold on to guys and keep them where they are on the depth chart. I mean, we saw it with linebacker for a couple of years, right? I think they have a guy in Steve Angeli who's a rising junior who's been here. He's seen a lot. Looked really good. I know you talked about the mop-up duty and how much you don't want to play into that, but he looked good. I think you have a young coaching staff that sees it and says – hey, we have our number two right here. Like, Kenny, if you want to stick around, maybe you'll be a number two, then maybe you'll be a number one, but you got to work your way up the ladder. And then the competitor inside of everyone, I know Steve Vandelli has it is, or I mean, Kenny Minchie has it. Hey, what about right now? I could do this right now. And again, I'm not faulting him if he, if he comes to that conclusion.
2: No, not at all. They all have their... And they all have confidence in themselves. When they come out oh. of high school, they believe they're going to be the starter at Notre Dame when they choose Notre Dame. And eventually the writing is on the wall and you got to make a decision. And some people just stay say- here and enjoy the experience. Others want to play, and I respect that.
1: You have to find out like when that writing is on the wall as well. Everyone comes to that light bulb goes off, epiphany moment. For Tyler Buckner, it was spring ball and he's like yeah this what am i doing here
2: and that's what for drew pine it,
1: yeah no i 100 for drew pine it was marcus freeman tells him face to face hey we're going to get a guy for him because he knew then i'm going to be number three because buckner's back healthy he's going to be number two drew pine just spent 10 games starting and I know he was limited, and he he obviously it didn't work out for him at Arizona State. But for him, if you put yourself in Drew Pine's shoes, this is what he was thinking. I just started 10 games for the University of Notre Dame. I went 8-2. and I threw 22 touchdowns, only six interceptions, and I'm going to be number three. I'm out. Can't blame him.
2: Yeah. And, Tyler, it could come down to once spring starts to unfold and maybe after spring, everybody will know – Probably who is the number two heading into the summer and whoever is three might be the leading candidate. That's yeah. maybe when the writing is on the wall. So okay. Let's talk about yeah, it just Auggies. seems never
1: ending too, right?
2: Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well, Tyler, let's spend a couple of moments talking about a South Bend tradition, and that is Auggies.
1: Now here's another like we talk about Barb Stevenson being a holiday gift. It should be on your list. You should be getting people things from there. Why not Auggie's Locker Room? If you're in South Bend as you're watching this, I would stop by Augie's Locker Room in the next 11 days and get somebody that is a big Notre Dame fan in your life a gift from there because, as you know, Auggie's has Notre Dame memorabilia and one-of-a-kind Notre Dame items that you can only find at one place right there at Augie's Locker Room. There's a new location. Come and see his brand new store located at 1733 North Ironwood drive in South bend, right down the street from Notre Dame. I think I've said before on here, it's literally just a block or two farther than it was before. Uh, very close to Notre Dame. I don't know if I can. I always said that I can throw a stone and hit Notre Dame's campus from the old location. Probably need Riley Leonard's arm to do it from this location, but Hey, it's not that far away. So when you're in South bend, You've got to make time for Augie's locker room. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame Stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographed, and one-of-a-kind rockney items. You can find exclusive Joe Montana signed items and famous sculptor Jerry McKenna's replicas of the bronze statues around the stadium. Augie gets new items all the time. If he doesn't have it in his store, he will find it for you. Visit Augie at 1733 North Ironwood Drive in South Bend and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. He's got some some amazing items that you want to see. Visit Augie'sLockerRoom.com if you're watching the YouTube. We thank you. That's what you'll find when you go there. Or call him at 574-277-6363.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All
2: right, back to our Hey Horka mailbag. This comes from AeroFan624. What can we take away from the Sun Bowl and discuss for 2024?
1: I actually had a list of things that I should probably pull up here. Uh, again, I we're only answering three questions of, hey, Horka, I probably get 15, 20, maybe even 30 sometimes on blueandgold.com. Answer them all for a written article and on the message board there. But here's some of the things that I came up with. Steve Angeli, for one, I mean, it's the first time he will ever have attempted a pass in the first half of a football game in his college career. So, how he looks, like you were saying earlier, Darren, how teams game plan for him, how he reacts to pressure, how he reacts to big moments in games. I mean, he threw an interception at Stanford, and it didn't even matter because Audric Estime had run for a bajillion yards and four touchdowns. And as soon as Angeli threw that interception, the coaches were like, you know what, we, we can coast into the uh, finish line and still win this one by 30 points. And that's what they did. He didn't throw... A single pass after he threw that pick, Darren. If yeah. he throws a pick against Oregon State, how's he react? How does Notre Dame game plan him for him on the next drive? So you're gonna learn a lot about Steve Angeli. That can absolutely be applied to 2024. That's probably the biggest thing. If you're looking at individuals in this game, Steve Angeli for sure. Uh here's some other things. How does offensive coordinator Jared Parker call Jared Parker call the game? I thought, albeit against weaker defenses. Wake Forest game plan looked a little bit better, Stanford game plan looked a bit little bit better. Oregon State good defense, but all of these opt-outs like in theory you should be able to put up points on these guys even with your own opt-outs. I mean, I saw somebody mention it in the chat a little bit earlier. It's definitely a scary proposition and then this might yeah, this leads exactly into what I put next. Notre Dame starting two brand new tackles for the first time in a game for the first time in two years. I mean, Joe Alt, Blake Fisher were your stalwarts for two whole years, and now you got to break in Emil Wagner as a first-time starter. I would imagine gets one of those spots. Maybe Tosh Baker gets the other spot. And I'm I'm not on here to to rag on guys, but look, Tosh Baker is a senior. They tried him at tackle in the year that Joe Alt won the starting job that he's had ever since he gave it up uh, by rightfully opting for the NFL draft. Tosh Baker had his opportunity and he's just been kind of stuck in the shuffle and and obviously not someone that Notre Dame thinks can be a guy. I mean, maybe they do, but Blake Fisher, Joe Alt, so much better than Tosh Baker in the last couple of years. That kind of worries me. If you look at pro football focus grades, Tosh Baker was the worst Notre Dame offensive player of any of the 51 players who received an offensive grade by PFF Baker was um, the worst. And that's, that worries me. So I I'm wondering if he gets to start. I think he does, but I honestly thought he was a transfer portal candidate. I'm a little bit surprised that he hasn't gone. Maybe he saw this opportunity coming and maybe the coaching staff is telling him behind closed doors, like, Hey, these two guys are leaving you're next. So that's still intriguing to me, Darren. I still want to see how he looks couple other things. Um, K.K. Smith, freshman wide receiver, coming back from a shoulder injury. He's making his debut. The wide receiver room is absolutely depleted for this bowl game. Can he make a couple plays? How does he look? Is he a guy going forward that Notre Dame can rely on in the passing game? The passing game, regardless of that, is obviously interesting to me as well. Is Jaden Thomas healthy enough to make a difference? Is Jaden Greathouse healthy enough to make a difference? I'll be looking at those types of things. Definitely be looking at the play of Jaden Mickey and uh, Christian Gray without Cam Hart available for this game. He is going to the NFL draft as well. Um, and then I think the the younger linebackers as well, I would add them to this conversation because no J.D. Bertrand, I'm assuming he hasn't officially opted out, but he's accepted an invite to play in the senior bowl. That usually means bye-bye. I mean, he yeah. could he could pull Jarrett Patterson, though, and, and play in the bowl game. Like, that was the big storyline last year, remember, where – Everyone was like, what is Jarrett Patterson doing? He's a, I think he was a fifth or sixth year at that time. And he agreed to start for Notre Dame in the bowl game, which was a little surprising to some, but he said, I'm a Notre Dame guy and I'm playing. Would not shock me if J.D. Bertrand does that same thing, but we know that Maris Leofau is not playing. And we know that Maris Leofau played like 600 snaps this season. So a lot of that probably goes to Jack Kaiser, but I don't know, maybe Jaden Osberry, Drake Bowen, Uh, Some of those younger linebackers I'm definitely interested to see, too. So I threw a lot at you there, Darren. Um, You probably agree with a lot or most of that, but what kind of sticks out the most to you? Yeah, well, I'm
2: going into this not going to take a whole lot out of this game, but if I have to be stuck to something, the offensive tackles are are the obvious one. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what it looks like just in this sense. I'm kind of curious if Jalen Sneed is the guy at weak side Linebacker to take yeah. over for Leofal. I think a lot of Irish fans are really interested to see him as someone, as a guy that's going to be on the field a whole lot more, what he's going to be able to do. And, and you mentioned the corner replacing Cam Hart, Mickey, Gray, whatever direction you want to go. I assume it's going to be Mickey. That's just my guess. Let's see what it looks like without Cam Hart out there. So an offensive tackle, that's just. It's going to look a whole lot different. It's probably going to look a little rough at times. Good thing Notre Dame uses 12 and 13 personnel. you got some tight ends to stay in and chipped out those tackles just a little bit.
1: Well, one less tight end to help out with that. Obviously, Holden stays into the transfer portal a couple of weeks ago. Mitchell Evans not going to play in this. Kevin Bauman. How about the attrition at that position this year? My goodness. like We, we thought Notre Dame had something really going there, and they might. I mean, Eli Raridan might turn out to be a dude. Cooper Flanagan, uh, Davis Sherwood comes in and helps at what he does. But man, for, for the bowl game, I guess you're looking at those three guys right there, and and that's kind of it for the bowl game, right? Raridan, Flanagan, Sherwood. Yeah,
2: I think that Stanford yeah. tight end went in the portal. So just just saying. Yeah, know.
1: I've seen some people uh, shopping his name around there, but I mean. Mitchell Evans, the way they do ACLs these days, or it was ACL with Evans, right? All these injuries. Um, You'd think he'd be back for the start of next season, and then he takes on that Michael Mayer role again probably, and you just need one or two guys to kind of help him out, and I think Rairden will do that. I really like Cooper Flanagan's game as well. There's another thing that you could add to this discussion that we're having. If you're watching there on the screen, we're talking about what to take away from the Sun Bowl. Mitchell Evans kind of had his coming out party in last year's Gator Bowl and parlayed that into what I was really surprised to see, a Michael Mayer-like season in eight games before he went down with that injury. Cooper Flanagan, maybe? If he is Notre Dame's best remaining receiving threat as a tight end, we could see that. And Steve Angelian, Cooper Flanagan already hooked up for that touchdown. Was that the Pitt game? Was that the Wake Forest game? It was one of those later home games really good play call nice throw Flanagan was wide open but it was a nice catch anyway um yeah those, those are most of the things that I'm looking at seeing and I know it's you can't take much away from like the coaching aspect of this because what the heck are you working with but I think Jared Parker is under such a microscope that even with Steve Angeli and no Audratima maybe and two brand new tackles, Like you have to look at the way he calls this game and say either I liked it or I didn't. I mean, you you got to go into 2024. This is the last – Marcus Freeman always talks about get 12 opportunities. Here's your 13th. This is the one that we're going to remember the most. If you go off recency bias heading into 2024, how did Jared Parker look calling this thing? Like I think that matters at least a little bit. I'll save some of my comments for the next question. Okay.
2: I'll, I'll just I'll hold my fire until we get to the third question. And before we get to the third question, I think we have to talk a little bit about Irish Realty.
1: Yeah, making its uh, hey Horca debut here, Irish Realty, which is your ticket to experiencing Notre Dame all year long. It's a great time to enjoy football weekends. 2024. It's crazy how 2023 flew by, but football weekends in 2024, a new era of men's basketball. And the top 10 ranked women's hoops program, which I think somehow is just sitting outside of the top 10, even though they rattle off seven wins in a row. Neil Ivy is doing the most with the shortest bench that I've maybe ever seen in college basketball. It's pretty incredible what she's doing. And I think they're going to be really good all year long, especially when they get some of those players back. So don't forget about Notre Dame hockey. We've got Darren Pritchett on here and he is the Notre Dame hockey guy. So we've got to mention Notre Dame hockey baseball. And the NCAA champion lacrosse team. If you're looking forward to maybe seeing Tyler Buckner in a Notre Dame lacrosse uniform this coming spring, then you want to hit up Irish Realty because it is the market leader, whether you're looking for a condo, townhouse, or a second home in Notre Dame country. Check out the affordable Eddie Square townhomes, three story units at the Eddie Square townhomes, Brennan's View luxury condominiums near Eddie Square, or Echo Villas four- and five-bedroom upscale retreats at the Echoes Villas. And don't miss the Belterra Villas, a new home community just north of campus, whether it's for pure enjoyment or an investment property opportunity. Irish Realty has you covered in the Notre Dame market. Check out irishrealty.net to find out more. Yeah, I feel like every time I drive around this area, Darren, there's new stuff popping up all the time. So if you're looking to uh, tap into that a little bit, Irish Realty is definitely the way to go.
2: Jordan Faison scores the assist, Tyler Buckner,
1: almost like a touchdown. um, (laughs) Yeah, if you want to see that, then uh, hit up Irish Realty because, I mean, Coach corgan has got that thing rolling, man. And I was texting him about the Tyler Buckner thing, and he seems really excited by it. So um, Tyler Buckner was a great, great lacrosse recruit. Jordan Faison in his own right. I mean, it's crazy. This kid's caught three touchdown passes in a Notre Dame football uniform but the main reason he's on campus is to be a lacrosse player, and we haven't even seen any of that yet. I think it's going to be – that's going to be awesome. Maybe I'll pop into uh, the old lacrosse stadium there to, to see that. There was one phase on punt return. He did
2: a spin move. It was like a lacrosse spin move. I, I think there's a lot of things you take from lacrosse that you use on the football field, those tight area moves yeah. like that, uh, holding onto the football, avoiding contact like, you know, you keep the stick. so. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, but Faze on that spin reminded me of a lacrosse player in traffic spinning away and then, you know, in lacrosse taking the shot.
1: The agility and the foot speed that he has. And then you probably talk about, I mean, I, I've said it here. I think I've said it on your show. I joke about it with friends. He's my size. You guys can probably tell from this video. I'm not a, I'm not a big human being, you know, 5'10", 5'11", 180 pounds on a good day. That's what Jordan Faison is out there. So if you talk about the pound for pound strength that he has and probably fighting through some hand stuff at the line of scrimmage, taking hits, as you mentioned, just a heck of an athlete. And I know it took some injuries to get him on the field, but blessing in disguise, I guess, especially if Thomas and Great House end up being fine from those hamstring injuries because – if Notre Dame is at full strength with those guys, do we ever find out what Jordan Faison is as a football player this year? Maybe we don't. And it was instant, Darren. You remember, nobody wants to remember that night at Louisville. I mean, I was there. It was an ugly, ugly night for football for Notre Dame. But Jordan Faison's impact was immediate, and that was pretty awesome to see that uh, corner route touchdown that he had from Sam Hartman in that game.
2: Okay. We're going to move on to our third and final question
1: for Hey Horka. And Let's it do it. Comes, We're being efficient today, Darren. This is efficiency at its finest. This one could take a while. Yeah, I mean, this is the – we saved the best for last, I guess.
2: KCND miss 97. What does Jared Parker have to do to get the most out of Riley Leonard?
1: A lot. Be a good offensive coordinator. Um, my simple answer to this – on the message board and for the article that I put up right about when this show started at three o'clock Eastern was just don't, I I would say don't try to do too much, but that wasn't really it. I think Jared Parker's issue this past season was not doing enough, right? There's there's some offensive coordinators that try to do too much. Some that don't do enough. You want to live in the middle of that. And I, I don't know if Jared Parker did enough to get the most out of Sam Hartman. I've been kind of drilling this down on the message board lately, and it it befuddles me. And I, I get it. You're Notre Dame, you like to run the ball. You have you have Aldrich Estimate and he puts up all these numbers. But how does Sam Hartman if if you take a guy like Sam Hartman out of the portal and you look at his numbers, I'll pull them up and I'll rattle them off here. What he was doing at Wake Forest was throwing the ball. A lot. He is a volume passer and it amounted to a lot of offensive success. It's a different scheme, the slow mess that was never going to happen at Notre Dame. But Darren, he threw the ball 508 times in 2021, 428 times in 2022. Notre Dame, 12 games, started every single game, 301 passes. Like, wasn't there a little bit more to try to get out of Sam Hartman there? So, I'm not saying Riley Leonard comes in and throws the ball 30 times a game because that's not who he is. But if Riley Leonard doesn't have 10 to 15 rushing attempts per game and the offensive coordinator can sometimes dictate that, then we're going to have a serious problem. And I think people are going to be complaining about Jared Parker because the answer to this question is play to the guy's strengths. Is it not? That's the answer to this question.
2: Well, I think the first thing we have to establish, in my opinion – that Riley Leonard might be more of a Marcus Freeman quarterback than Sam Hurt.
1: Yes. Somebody mentioned this point on the message board the other day. Go ahead. Keep going. I want to hear this. You
2: know, my thought is this go back to the first game of last year against Ohio state in Columbus, Marcus Freeman told us, I want to run the football. And anytime something is brought up, what does he always talk about? I want to be able to run the football. Riley Leonard is a guy that can help you run the football. Sam Hartman, you know, he ran early on in his Wake Forest career, and I wonder the injuries. I think Wake Forest pulled him back that last year, and Notre Dame just didn't really use him in that capacity except for a couple of games. But to me, Marcus, as a defensive coach and a really good defensive coach, I think he wants – an offense that is able to run the football effectively. When you run it effectively, you keep your defense off the field, you keep them fresh. I think Riley Leonard better suits what Marcus Freeman is wanting this football program to be. Now, I have more reservations than most people on Riley Leonard, the passer. Let's be perfectly honest. Is Running ability is it factor. I think he's got pretty good football IQ. If he could make all the throws, Tyler, he's in the NFL draft right now. He can make the throws, but it's not consistently. And that's where coming to Notre Dame, being in this pro-style offense, can elevate his game to the next level because right now he would be drafted before Sam Hartman, but he's not going to be a guy taken in the first three rounds. He has to evolve as a passer. Against the number one pass efficiency defense in the country, he went 12 of 27. Now, a lot of teams struggle against that Notre Dame defense. And I'm not saying he's a, not a good passer. I'm just saying we need to take a deep breath. He is the guy that's evolving. I think this is what I said on my show yesterday, Tyler, and, and I'll stop and I'll let you comment on this. Hindsight, what I know now, My mindset tells me that Notre Dame got a quarterback in Sam Hartman that had reached his ceiling. I'm not sure there was much more to go with this game other than being just a little more consistent and being in a pro style offense. That's what he needed to do, and it, for many reasons, didn't fully work out. Riley Leonard is a guy that's here, but I think the ceiling's way up here. I think he has the capabilities of being a really good thrower of the football someone who scouts at the pro level that I know, I asked him, and this is one person's opinion, one person. So I'm not saying everybody thinks this way, but they describe Riley Leonard as Ian Book 2.0. First progression, if it's not there, a lot of times he just takes off and runs and doesn't go through two, three, four like you need to in this style offense. He is a great runner of the football, and if his passing skills catches up, I mean, Tyler, I think it's endless, but I'll stop by saying this, and and I say this as respectively as I can. If you, the Notre Dame football fan, are fully confident in the offensive coaching staff and their ability to take this guy and raise his level of play at the passing game, at the passing game, then you've really got something. If you don't believe in the offensive coaching staff, I wonder how much better he's going to get in that area. And are you going to get a guy that's a great runner, that's a a pretty good passer, but not elite? That's my big question
1: about getting Riley Lennon. You mentioned the levels of this. You said Sam Hartman was here and he was only going to be there. My problem with the 2023 season for Notre Dame was you only got this from Sam Hartman. And some of it was his own fault. But like you said, maybe some of it was coaching
2: no a lot of it
1: no question so wide receiver so if you're bringing in riley leonard and he's here and this has nothing to do with to do with sam hartman i'm just putting my hand here for riley leonard and riley leonard only and you think he can be here and this is great audio for everyone listening on uh, spotify (laughs) and uh and apple or whatever but if you think riley leonard's Where he's at right now is at some point, and it can go even higher. I worry that the same thing might happen that happened to Sam Hartman. Like, what if Notre Dame fails to get the most out of Riley Leonard? And I think that's why this question is on the screen. What does Jared Parker have to do to get the most out of him? A lot of this is on Parker at the end of the day. Riley Leonard is a talent that you take every single time. The NFL was talking about him before this season even started probably less so now because he only played 7 games and he got hurt and it's like okay let's see what he does fully healthy for another season and then we'll drive up the NFL draft buzz for him again but there there is a real possibility that the same thing happens with Riley Leonard where you've got a guy who you think could be even better and like you said in hindsight maybe Sam Hartman couldn't be any better my problem is you didn't get the full Sam Hartman experience and a lot of that had to do with coaching. So what do you do with Leonard? You spread it out. You let him run. You, you do uh, RPO has become a, a yeah. buzzword for us on the message board, but this is not like the Jack Cone RPO where he fakes a little handoff and then he just throws it really quickly. It's gotta be the true RPO where you spread it out. He fakes that handoff and it's not the slow mess because you fake it really quickly, but you have, you have to have a guy that's, making quick decisions because once he fakes that handoff, then he can either throw it to anyone who's out there. Hopefully somebody's open. It didn't happen enough for Notre Dame this season, but he can also run. And you've got to – if you're looking at Notre Dame coaches, Darren, you've got to encourage that kind of quick decision-making. I think Riley Leonard's a smart kid, a smart quarterback. He can handle all that stuff, but you've you've got to scheme it up for him to do it. You can't just say, go out there and do it. No. The best offensive coordinators have a plan. They have a scheme. It looks fluid. It's, it's happening all the time. That needs to happen with Jared Parker and Riley Leonard, and I'm a little bit scared that it's not going to. Two things.
2: Number one, this maybe will calm your nerves a little bit. One thing that's going to help Jared Parker with the addition of Riley Leonard, Riley Leonard is a wild card or a trump card to teams loading the box. Yeah, Riley Leonard's running ability, that extra person in the running game, is going to help offset the issue that Jared could not overcome against any defense with a pulse this year. Team stymied Notre Dame. They stuffed them really, really well. And our friend and colleague on Game Day Sports, be here on WSBT Radio, Eric Hansen, he made a great point. He took me back to Notre Dame-Clemson, the Hurricane game in 2015, I'm sure a lot of our our viewers and listeners remember that game. C.J. Procise was our running back, Tyler, that day, and he was a great running back, went on to play in the NFL with the Seattle Seahawks. Clemson stuffed him. Notre Dame's traditional run game did nothing. What did the coaches do that day? They started running Deshaun Kaiser. They started throwing passes in the flat to C.J. Procise. They got back in the game. Unfortunately, Brian Kelly decided to go for two a million times. And they end up losing by two because he didn't kick the extra points. But the ability of the quarterback to run offset teams loading the box. And Riley Leonard can do that. And if you can get the passing game going off all this, Tyler, you've really got something. But, you know, there is a a part of me like you that wonders, is this going to be able to be figured out? Is he going to be able to go to the next level? I will say this. Riley Leonard has one advantage over Sam Hartman, and it's this, Gino Gadouli. When Gino Gadouli was teaching Sam Hartman, he was still being taught this offense. So imagine trying to learn the offense yourself and teach it to your quarterback. That's tough. That's not easy. But Riley Leonard's going to have a Gino Gadouli that is a year in this system. So there's probably questions that Sam Hartman asked that Gino couldn't ask right away or answer right away. Because he was still learning, different story this year. So I think that gives Riley a really good chance. The second thing I wanted to mention someone that knows Duke football extremely well and has seen all of Riley Leonard's games, I asked him this question, Tyler. There's a narrative that Duke's lack of skill caused Leonard's passing numbers to suffer while at Duke, fair off the mark. The response was eh, there's some accuracy in that. They did get better play from the wide receivers last season than this one. They went on to say, Darren, I agree with what you said. If he could make all the throws, he'd be going to the NFL. So it is an unfinished product. And I think a lot of times we as fans, Tyler, play too much fantasy football. Oh, we got Chris Mitchell. We got Bo Collins. We got Riley Leonard. You throw him on the field and it's going to happen. We need to learn from last year. Mitchell's in a totally different up-tempo offense at Florida International. Bo Collins, haven't we heard Clemson? One of their big issues was how their wide receiving core is not as good as they used to be. Well, we have one of those guys. So before we start writing down Notre Dame in the 12-team playoff, and this team's going to average 40 points per game. Take a deep breath. It could happen, Tyler. It could happen, but let's don't play fantasy football. This has to evolve. Jared Parker has to put it all together. The position coaches have to groom these guys and build them as one. Riley Leonard's only got one shot. Bo Nix, going from Auburn to Oregon, he stunk at Auburn. He had a couple of years in Oregon under a really good offensive coordinator. What happened? Michael Penix Jr., Indiana, not very good. A couple of years at Washington, really good offensive coordinator. What happened? Really, really good. We can't say Jared Parker's in that category of the guys out at Washington and Oregon. And I will finish by saying, how do you get the most out of Riley Leonard? If I'm Jared Parker and Marcus Freeman, I call David Cutcliffe to be a right hand man for Jared Parker to make sure all this goes into place. Because if you miss the playoffs this year, we need to have a big conversation.
1: Yeah, there's another Duke connection there, huh? David Cutcliffe, bringing all the Duke guys right and everything. Everything will uh, be just fine. Here's another thing to go off of that last point that you just made. And you, you said it yourself, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, they were really, really good. I mean, two of the best quarterbacks in the country their second year with that new team, Riley Leonard only gets one. That's right. And he gets it with an unproven <laughs> offensive coordinator and Jared Parker. He doesn't get it with, you know, who Nix had at Oregon and, who Penix was working with in Washington. So that's definitely uh, a part of it. It, Everything has to come together quickly too. That's the thing. Like you you think about spring practices and fall camp and everyone thinks that like, yeah, Sam Hartman was, he knew this place in and out. And then you get Marcus Freeman saying in November that, Hey, this was a new offense for him. And you know, it, it just didn't click like that. That's real. And I know people say, Oh, that's just an excuse. No, that's real. This dude was playing one way for five whole years, and then he comes here and has to play a completely different way. It's not going to look right against Ohio State or Louisville or Clemson or some of those teams. Riley Leonard, I think, is not set in stone as like a – like. you can make a case that Sam Hartman was a system quarterback and that system was the slow mesh. Like That's all the evidence that we have. That's With fair. Riley Leonard – like I said earlier, Riley Leonard, they were talking about this guy as an NFL prospect after his, his uh, freshman, sophomore year, right? So, but I do agree with you. If he was, there, there is something to this, though. I mean, the dude is a true senior. And we could forget, like, COVID and all of this. With, like, he's coming in and he's playing his fourth season of college football there was always something a little bit off putting to me about the Sam Hartman sixth year thing. It's like, I get it. That's awesome. He's got all of this experience, but not enough of us asked, why the heck is this guy still in college football after six years? And he was pretty blunt about, you know, he was upfront about that. He's like, yeah, I need to get better. I need to put better things on tape for the NFL. I need to play in a pro style offense. That's it right there. Didn't work out for, I mean, I don't think anybody, I don't think pro scouts saw Sam Hartman this year and were like, yeah, this is what we're looking for. This is what he needed to do to get to the next level. And that's a sad reality for him. But with Leonard, it's more like there's not as much for Leonard that he needs to do to get back into that NFL conversation for me. Like he could have a type of season at Notre Dame in his last year of college football and be a what a day two draft pick in the NFL draft I think I mean the quarterback thing is crazy you think that they're all going to get taken in the first round and then what the last couple of drafts nobody gets taken until the second round at best so I think best case scenario for Riley Leonard is probably like a a third round draft pick but
2: that's what the scouts are saying if he evolves he could be a third
1: round pick okay if he does that I think Notre Dame will have had an excellent season with him because like right now he's uh He's like a fifth or sixth round flyer guy for me right now. He's, he's a day three flyer guy. And I'm not a big NFL draft junkie, but, I mean, we it's all out there. Like, you can see it. You can watch a guy and you know, okay, that guy's going on day two or that guy is going to get picked in the, the later rounds of the draft. So it, 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 there's just a lot of moving parts with this Leonard thing for me. Jared Parker's got to be better. The wide receivers have to be better. And Riley Leonard himself has to be better. I forget who it was, and I was looking for it while you were talking last, Darren. It was somebody from the Athletic, not Bruce Feldman. So I don't know why I'm blanking off the top of my my head, but this person wrote an article when Leonard committed on Monday, and the tweet was it kind of I was kind of taken aback by it when I read it because I think it said something about too many w t f throws or too many what the heck throws or whatever you want to and i'm like you know what when i watch when this Sun Bowl stuff is over and i go back and watch every game of riley leonard like i watched every game of sam hartman i'm going to be looking for that now because if that's a knock on him notre dame fans are going to be a little annoyed by that if you're driving and it's third and six and all you need is one clip you know crisp clean pass over the middle of the field and he just sails it for whatever reason. I mean, we saw enough of that with Sam Hartman, and that's why some of that luster rubbed off. If you get the same thing with Riley Leonard, it's it's not like you're getting the best quarterback in the country, which I think some people on social media and the message boards, it, they've made it sound like Riley Leonard is instantly going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I'm not so sure and That's about
2: what that. I'm fighting. I, I, I'm fighting that. I'm not saying he can't be, but I don't think people understand he's not here yet as a passer. As a physical As a runner, for sure. I mean, he's outstanding. If the passing part of it becomes more consistent, he will be the guy that everybody is thinking at this particular time. And I'm trying to find it here. Um, I asked a, a scout friend about his arm strength. And I said, I wrote in my notes watching him that he is an. He has adequate arm strength. And the response was good enough, not elite. He has zero elite traits, has good traits, but nothing elite. Ball placement is below average. Deep ball throwing is below average. So that's and that's that what about. everyone
1: keeps saying is the arm strength, arm strength, arm strength, right? They're like right Leonard. big. I think they just see six-four, however much he weighs, and they're like, Yeah, the m- guy must be able to throw in a mile. I mean, I tweeted out a video that I thought was a good ball, but, you know, some people who probably watch a lot of football and I looked back at it and I was like, yeah, maybe they're right. They said, you know, it was a duck. It would have been intercepted in the NFL. Duke's playing against whoever they were that day. I forget what the highlight was from, but it was a good place. Ball threw enough enough air under it, but then it got me thinking, like, I I don't know. I don't see Riley Leonard and think, yeah, deep ball city. Notre Dame's gonna throw it downfield. I thought that was Sam Hartman, and it didn't happen with Sam Hartman. So why should we believe it's gonna happen with Riley Leonard? I'm not trying to sit here and just dog on no, Riley no. Leonard, but I'm I'm just, just being real about
2: expectations. There are some yeah. wild expectations right now. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hey, that's Notre Dame written- football fandom for you, though.
2: Yeah. Well, even it's being written too, and I'm just like, wow, because yeah. you look you look at 2022 when he had a 63%. Completion percentage, 20 touchdown passes, six interceptions. Duke had a great year. Mm-hmm. Temple, Northwestern, North Carolina AT, Kansas, Virginia, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Miami, BC, Virginia Tech, Pitt, wait. What's missing? Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame. Three teams that, even Louisville. Three teams that, you know, he faced this year. Clemson, he was 17 of 33 for 175. But his running ability changed the complexion of that football game. Against Notre Dame, 12 of 27 for 134. 18 carries for 88. Now he got injured again against Florida State. He was 7 of 16 for 69 yards. And then Louisville, 9 of 23 for 121 yards. So – against better competition, but the injury was a factor. So we can't just go, he was off the mark in those games. The the ankle was a factor after the Notre Dame game, but you saw the different level in competition. Duke came back to earth a little bit because they played a much tougher schedule. Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida State, Louisville teams, they didn't play the year before.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at 2022 now that you mention it. And you say really good season. I mean, for Duke standards it was, but it was still nine and four. And they didn't play a ranked team at the time of kickoff. Well,
2: that's why in Las Vegas, when you saw the the win totals before this season with everybody basically back for Duke, it was like six and a half
1: because the schedule,
2: the schedule bumped up big time.
1: And Duke is Duke for sure. But 2022, during that magical year, statistically for Leonard, they lost to Kansas. I know Kansas is that doesn't mean as. Losing to Kansas isn't as bad as when Texas did it in 2016, okay? Like, Kansas is actually a good football team now. But they lost to Georgia Tech. They lost to that North Carolina team that everyone put up all kinds of numbers on. (laughs) And they lost to Pitt. Uh, What was Pitt in 2022? Were they still good? Was that a good Pitt team? It was a 94-Pitt team. So it wasn't a ranked Pitt team. Riley Leonard, how about this? I believe this is probably accurate. Outside of Clemson this year, uh, Riley Leonard has never beaten a ranked team outside of the Clemson season opener this year. That's the one time that he started at quarterback for Duke and beat a ranked opponent.
2: That game, so he's got a nit factor. He makes people better around him, which is yeah. exciting. I think it's very exciting. And if the, if the passing evolves, I, I think you've got something really special. And I'm just kind of holding my breath if it can be brought out of him. I don't know. And I, I want to ask you a side question since, you know, the Irish have picked up Coach Brown from Wisconsin. And I really like what he did at Cincinnati, developing some guys that weren't highly acclaimed like Alec Pierce. Mm-hmm. As we look back, again, this is after the fact, Tyler. I'm, we're, we're playing armchair quarterback here. We all like the talent Stucky brought in, Flores, Greathouse, James. I'm wondering, do you think they brought in too many of the same guy? Like, did they bring it? Because it just seemed like they had 42,000 slot guys, and the production on the outside was very was very hit and miss. So do you think now that we know what we know,
1: did they get too many of the same guy? Well, here's the thing. I don't think you can ever have enough of the Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores is of the world. Like if you've got a team of four or five of those excellent, because you just put them out there and maybe, I don't know if Rico Flores and and Jaden Greathouse, like I expected them to do a lot as true freshmen and they did in in spurts in certain situations. But in some regards, maybe it was just because the scheme was so whack and Hartman wasn't, Sam Hartman some of the times like I think I thought that they could have done a little bit more like they weren't fully the guys that I thought they'd be Jaden Greenhouse might be that eventually but here's the thing I want as many of those types of guys as I can get on a roster if you have the outside presence and Notre Dame didn't have the outside presence Jaden Thomas who to begin with is not really your true stud six four six five strength and speed guy on the outside because. You need strength and you need speed on the outside. He's not that to begin with. And then he gets the hamstring injury and goes down. So then all of a sudden you're asking for more of these same guys that you're talking about there. And you have all these same guys. Now everything is on their shoulders. And that's also because Deion Colsey, what did you get out of him? A couple of games and he goes down with an injury, nothing. Tobias Merriweather had a couple of plays. I mean, he caught a touchdown against is that Central Michigan, I think, the long touchdown. Um, And then he caught a long touchdown against, I don't know, it was another one of those home games, Pitt maybe. Like he had a couple long touchdowns and that was it. The guys that you're talking about who you have all the same of them, they would be a lot better if Notre Dame had an outside presence that scared the bejeebers out of opponents. Didn't have that at all. I mean, there were multiple games, Darren, that Notre Dame went into the the game this season where – it was like, okay, Rico Flores, you're just a six-one slot guy, uh, you know, field receiver on your best day, but you're our guy today. You're our number one. Go out there and and get him. You can't go into a game like that. And that's why I'm still worried about this 2024 wide receiver core, Darren, because is is Chris Mitchell really the guy that scares the bejesus, you know, the out of people? I'm not sure. He did at FIU, but this is Notre Dame, and now you're going up against. SEC talent in Texas AM and you know Florida State had a really good defense this year. Good luck against those guys. Um Bo Collins, he transferred for a reason. Like he needed a change of scenery. He never broke out. He never had a breakout season at Clemson. He had three productive, you know, decent ones, but he had this Darren. Bo Collins at Clemson had the same exact season that Rico Flores just had at Notre Dame. And he left. Like, I don't know. Notre Dame needs that one guy on the outside that scares everybody you know, going back to like Chase Claypool, you know, the, the fuller type, like anybody that scares you. And then everyone else gets so much better because of that. So did he, did he recruit too many of the same guys? That's definitely not the reason that he got fired. No. Something else happened, but um, you could make a, a, a slight case of that. But I, I think they would be so much better if somebody else would just step up on the outside and be that guy. Like, Jaden Greathouse could be an awesome number two. Rico Flores can be an awesome number two. But when you're asking them to be the number one on any given day, too much to ask, especially as freshmen.
2: I'll tell you what, I'm not sure what the future is going to hold for this guy. But for Deion Colsey, a new set of eyes on him might be the best thing for him. You know, a new set of eyes without any prejudgments. Just to see what they can get out of him. You know, that's probably a guy I had on my list that was probably going to transfer, but with the change in wide receiver coaches, I think it's almost like a new lease on life. So let me stick around. Let me prove to Coach Brown what I can do. And again, I don't know if he's going to turn into a, a big plus plus wide receiver. I'm just saying, I think there's one guy that benefited or will benefit from a new set of eyes on him. And maybe he'll get an opportunity to do something else this year compared to compared to last year I know the injury was a big part of it but even before the injury it was eh.
1: can we get him a new uh set of knees as well Whoa, because boy, yeah. I feel like if he had those um man I just go back to 20 I guess it was last year 2022 where he was the third down machine and that's still that's the thing we hyped him up so much for that it was awesome he was catching some really nice balls on third down moving the chains even had a really nice touchdown against USC yeah but that's still, he still was not the holy cow, we're scared of this guy. Well, Darren, you watch plenty of NFL football as well, right? Yep. One of the best teams in the NFL have is a receiving threat that you are just like, I, I do not know how I'm gonna stop this guy. I might need to- <laughs> he might be the MVP of the league. I am on I am on board with give Tyreek the MVP because Look, they just lost to Tennessee because he wasn't able to play as much as he normally does. I know Mike Singer is watching this. Mike Singer, if you're watching this still, I've seen you in the comments. Is two of the MVP or is Tyreek Hill the MVP? Because I think it's the latter. There you go. Mike says I am too. And I- it's you know it's it's like the the Eagles are so good because AJ Brown is so good and Devontae Smith. There's two. There's somebody in this chat who said. uh bvg should be coach i don't know if i agree with that but i agree with um we need multiple scary guys not just one or two that yeah josh have, kelly. yeah josh kelly would have been an awesome um addition jamal banks is being thrown around his name is being thrown around the wake forest wide receiver it, sam hartman made him look really good i think this might be a hot take if jamal banks committed to notre dame tomorrow I think he's the best wide receiver that Notre Dame has gotten out of Bo Collins, Chris Mitchell, and himself. So I watched a lot of Wake Forest football last year, Darren. So. <laughs> Jamal Banks. I was high on Sam Hartman, though, too, and I don't know if that exactly worked out for me. But that's the point, though. The best teams in football have multiple dudes that just really scare you. I think the Dallas Cowboys, I obviously watch a lot of them this season, are so much better this year maybe than last year or at least scarier. Because C.D. Lamb has really come into his own, and he's a top three to five wide receiver in the NFL. But this Jake Ferguson, the tight end, once you get into the red zone especially, you can't stop this guy. He looks like um, a, a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle where you go over in the middle of the field, you put the ball up, that guy's going to catch it. You know, Gronk, Gronkowski. No – the Patriots were so scary back in the day because they had him, and I know the Patriots' wide receiver core was never really great, but you also had the best quarterback of all time, and that helps too. But, Darren, the great equalizer is who the heck are you throwing the ball to? I don't care who's throwing the ball, who are you throwing it to. Why are the Chiefs 8-5 and five this year coming off a Super Bowl championship? They got nobody Taylor to throw the ball Swift
2: to. Cursed.
1: <laughs> yeah, Taylor Swift curse. But outside of Travis Kelsey, got nobody to throw the ball to. Oh.
2: Well, The Super Bowl championship is going to come out of Niners, Cowboys, Eagles. I'm an AFC guy. There's just too many teams with with balls and maybe balls. As a
1: lifetime Cowboys fan, I can tell you it's not going to be the Cowboys. So It's going to be one of those three, but it's not going to be the Cowboys. So it's going to be one of those two.
2: I actually did my top three NFL MVP candidates on my show last night. And I I actually have Brock Purdy one. Biggest game of the okay. year. He was dominant against Dallas. Numbers are good. That's Hill fair. second. Dak third only because his numbers were not very good in that biggest game of the year. So That's fine. Put been, him top
1: three, man. He's been he's really good.
2: We, we all joke about him. But in the big game, we'll, we'll see. He'll have a couple of big ones coming up in January. So
1: hey, and we're, we're talking Garrett. Cowboys right now? Aubrey. Uh, hey, how about that? Best kicker in the NFL for my money right now. And I'm a Justin Tucker guy, University of Texas. Right now, is Brandon Aubrey, man. You can't bet against 30 for 30. That is nuts. Imagine making 30 field goals in a row in your first year in the NFL. All of them
2: are down the middle,
1: too. <laughs> a, I also got something I want to say about Brandon. Yeah, I know. They're down the middle from 60 yards away, too. Something I want to say about Brandon Aubrey, and this is, as far as I know, because I am sick of the social media and I am sick of the blue and gold message board. How the heck did he not kick for Notre Dame? Why was oh, he never God. the kicker for Notre Dame? Guys, I've read enough articles on the guy, some really good reporters in Dallas, been reading them all my life. He didn't want to play football in college. It wasn't a Notre Dame coaching thing. It wasn't a scouting thing. He. It's not that he didn't want to kick field goals for Notre Dame in college. He didn't even know if he could. This guy was two years into a tech career. Putting that Notre Dame degree to work, probably making a decent, you know, living, doing whatever, working for whoever he was working for. Went to a kicking camp outside of Dallas. You got all kinds of like that that is a hub for if you're an aspiring athlete, go to Dallas Fort Worth, you'll find something. He went to one of these kicking camps, kicked a couple footballs. Dallas Cowboys had a scout there and they were like, hey, you should keep doing this. He went to the USFL, I think it was proved his worth there. And then the Cowboys gave him a call back and said, yeah, come kick for us. So no, Brandon Aubrey did not even want to play football at Notre Dame. It was not Notre Dame's fault that the greatest kicker in the NFL today never kicked a single field goal for his alma mater. That's all I got to say. Send my piece on that. Okay.
2: And my final thought when I was talking about that Notre Dame Clemson game back in 15, and they couldn't run the ball with their traditional run game. By the way – Ronnie Stanley was at left tackle. Quentin Nelson was at left guard. Nick Martin oh, was at center. And Mike McGlinchey was at right tackle. I don't know if it was Tommy Kramer at right guard, but that's the group that couldn't run the football behind. That You couldn't run behind those guys. Now Clemson had some boys back in the day along oh, yeah. the offensive line. But when BK made the switch or the offensive coordinator to get Kaiser running and throwing it to the outside, they took off. And, and I forgot to mention this, about question number three. Yeah, You know, I'm excited about Riley Leonard. I spoke my piece on how I think he can go to the next level, but I have my concerns. If Mike Denbrock was the offensive coordinator, I'd be sitting here thinking Notre Dame has a chance to win the national title with Riley Leonard. With what we have right yeah. now, I need to be proven that it can be worked out. That That's where I am. I don't want to sound negative about Riley because – I think with a veteran offensive coordinator, let's freaking roll. Let's go. But it's got to be proven to us. We sold- You could say the
1: same thing about Sam Hartman, right? Like if Notre Dame had a veteran offensive coordinator last year, you have more optimism going into the year with the sixth year quarterback and you're like – you're almost guaranteed that you're going to get the most out of him, whereas this year didn't come close to getting the most out of him. Again, the, the whole caveat in this is the wide receiver play. What – that too. But still, I think Notre Dame goes at least 11 and 1 with like a really good offensive coordinator experience. They go 11 and 1. They beat Ohio State. Like they scored yeah. they scored more than 14 points against Ohio State, I think. And the Clemson game was 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 so right there for the taking. But again, the wide receiver thing, every every time you say anything about Either it was Sam Hartman's fault or it was Jared Parker's fault. Everyone always just says, but the wide receivers. And you know what? I kind of agree with them. So the whole thing was messy.
2: If Jared Parker has an awesome year this year, I mean, if they tear it up, we give him credit and you know what? You take his three-year contract, you rip it up, you give him an extension for a job well done. That's what I'm willing to do. But we got to get to that point before we rip up that initial deal.
1: Oh, yeah, it could go one of two ways. He I mean, he's one year into this thing, and you do have that crutch that you can lean on of saying the wide receiver is like who the heck is going to do anything with those guys. So you are he's still very much in the middle, but if it goes the way it goes, again, you can't use the wide receiver excuse two years in a row. I mean, he either – it, it feels like – I feel like he's either out of town at the end of 2024 – or like you said, it goes so well that it's like, OK, yeah, this is this is what we were looking for. So that's a big year for him. It's a big year for Marcus Freeman. It's a big year for him. Um, Yeah, it's going to be an exciting one. It's not even 2024 yet. Here we are talking about. But you know what? Doesn't isn't there a part of you that says that even if things go
2: partially sideways, that everybody is safe because. New president, new AD. They're going to want to pull the plug that quickly on this. I have a feeling you have maybe a little more wiggle room in that current situation. Do you think I'm off on that?
1: No, that's no. Okay, that's probably pretty accurate. I would say. I don't know. i was just
2: a thought. Just a thought. So.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, all right.
2: Well, I think that's it for today. Three questions. Hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah, <laughs> well, actually, seventy-five minutes. Forty-five on three minutes. Questions. 45 minutes on the Jared Parker, Riley Leonard question. So,
1: Yeah, we started talking about the Cowboys. That's probably our cue to, to get off of here when we spend five minutes talking about the Cowboys. But, hey, Brandon Aubrey, baby. And well, Zach Martin's having a heck of a season, too. He's pancaking, guys. Once we went from
2: in Notre Dame conversation to Cowboys, our viewership went from 1,000 to
1: 6. So, I think that's what it Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, either you love them or you hate them, for real. They yeah. they are actually America's team because every single bit of America has an opinion on them. So. Oh, I said during the season,
2: as this season was winding down, the Cowboys and Notre Dame are the same thing this year. Love them yeah. or hate them, great against the bad teams, not very good against the the really <laughs> good teams. Although they beat the Eagles, that that's changed that narrative. But the two sides were very similar. You know, they the had to beat the Eagles, year.
1: though. What's that? If they did, they had to beat the Eagles at home because if they didn't, man, that narrative that you were just talking about is driven even further. Like it is, it is the they are the literal embodiment of you beat up on the bad guys and you cannot beat anyone that's good to save your life. So I'm glad they got that win. Still not a full believer, but we'll see. Jared Parker and Mike McCarthy have a lot in common. Before
2: <laughs> McCarthy's year, this year. And before next year for Parker, a lot of doubts. Yeah. McCarthy is an old school offensive coordinator. They need to get rid of him. You know what? He's made a difference in the offense. And hopefully Parker has the same success
1: in 2024. We'll see if um the Cowboys getting rid of Kellen Moore is what Notre Dame getting, you know, rid of Chancy Stucky. Maybe Ch- and I'm not here to rag on Chansey Stucky, but. Is literally the Cowboys get rid of one guy and all of a sudden the offense hums along and doesn't miss a beat. So I don't know. Maybe Marcus Freeman knew what he was doing with that. We'll see. We will see.
2: Yep. Singer always torches me. I see he's getting on me about my Parker takes again. So yeah. I don't know. If I it is guess- the
1: Cowboys, that's our cue to uh, to call it a day. Then it's it's Singer getting on you about the Parker take. You guys can hash that off, hash that out. I guess I watched the different
2: Duke, Louisville, Ohio State games. I guess so. I'll go rewatch them. <laughs> All
1: right. All right. My, uh, I don't know if my, you want. I don't know if you want. To I got a mic here. in my head
2: now. Tyler, it's good to be with you again, and we thank yep. everyone for tuning in. I've got a Notre Dame football show in 41 minutes on wsbtradio.com. If you want to join me, and Tyler, we will talk to you again soon. And happy holidays, to everybody out there.
1: Absolutely. See you guys.
2: All right. See you.